Well, greetings, Centerville Community Church. We are uh, for sure in unprecedented times, and uh, it's also a time when people are, are searching, and we have the one uh, that they are searching for. Uh, one of the things that excites me is, is whether you're listening to this on Saturday night or on Sunday morning, that this Sunday, uh, our president has declared uh, Sunday a national day of prayer, and I can't think of anything better for you and your family to do than to uh, pause on your Sunday morning and take a few minutes and pray for our country, uh, pray for our leaders, uh, both nationally and here locally, and pray that God would do a mighty work in and through this and draw people to himself. Uh, there's a song that I thought of this week that uh, I remember singing a lot growing up, and it's an old hymn that, that goes like this, of cast all your cares upon him, uh, lay all of your burdens down at his feet, and any time that I don't know what to do, I will cast all my cares upon you. Uh, straight out of 1 Peter 5, verse 7, to cast all of our cares. Uh, some of your Bibles may say, cast all of your anxiety upon him. Uh, so last week we started a series of who Jesus is, and uh, we are just four weeks out from Resurrection Sunday, which is so hard uh, to believe it will be here before we know it. And uh, we developed this series really with the idea of just looking at the life of Jesus, who he is and what he means to us, the nature of Jesus, the love of Jesus for us. And I shared last week that each week I want to share some names of Jesus to you. And this week they're so appropriate that he's our deliverer. He's faithful and true. He's the good shepherd. He's the great high priest. He's the head of the church. He's the holy servant. He is the great I am. He is Emmanuel, that he is with us, that he is the indescribable gift, that he is the judge, and that he is the king of kings. And I think when we truly realize the great lengths that, that Jesus went to to show his love for us and to us, to, to lavish his love upon us, it truly changes everything, that Jesus changes everything. It's our first value as a church as well, that, that we want Jesus to be at the center, that everything that we're going to do is is going to be motivated by following Jesus and his example, that he's the basis for everything we want to be and why we want to do things. If you were here last week, uh, we were in John 8, uh, looking at a section in Scripture where Jesus was going back and forth with the religious leaders, uh, a tense moment. Uh, and then in verse, uh, I believe verse 12, he, he reminded them that he is the light of the world. And Jesus, he shines his light into this world, to uh, into darkness, uh, to reveal darkness so that we can become more like him. Um, he also wants to shine his light in and through us so that he can draw people back to himself. And we also mentioned if we want to learn more about God, then we need to look to Jesus. Uh, because when we do, we get a picture of his heart and his character and, and his nature. And, and, and we learn so much more about him. Um, Last week we mentioned this uh, quick point to you, and I want to share it again today, that there's something different about knowing about someone and actually knowing someone. And the goal of this series is for us to really get to know Jesus. When you know about someone, you can know what they do, maybe where they work, um, uh, where they live, what team they're on, what movie they're in. But when you, when you truly know someone, when you have a relationship with them, that you have an ongoing intimate relationship with them. And there's a lot of people that, that know a lot about Jesus. If you were to ask on the street or at your workplace, hey, what religion are you? They would say, I'm a, I'm a Christian, right? 
Um, but our hope and prayer is not that just people would know a lot about Jesus, but that they would truly know Jesus. That's our aim as a church and as a movement. Romans 10 verse 9 says, If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then he will save you. You will be saved. So today, if you have your Bible, you can open up to John 10, and that's where we're going to go here in a moment. Also, I encourage you to look at our church app uh, because we provided the scripture on there and also a uh, an image that's going to point uh, to something in this passage here in a little bit, and I encourage you to look onto our app if you have that. You may need to update it by simply opening it and sliding it down, and that will update it with the latest uh, message information. But in John 10, uh, it's a unique passage in Scripture, and it's not often a name that we think of when we when we look at Jesus. But he says, "I am, I am the gate. I am the gate." And uh, last week we looked at Jesus interacting with the religious leaders, and we're going to see the same thing today. Uh, in John 10, uh, a group of people that knew a lot about Jesus, uh, but they didn't have a relationship with God. It was people who were experts at pointing out everybody else's sin, uh, but they did not see their own sin. And they were they were spiritually clueless. Remember, we said that's the worst kind last week. For those that uh, gather in their holy huddles and point out everybody else's sin, but they fail to look in the mirror at their own. And like last week, their inability to hear uh, the words of Jesus as truth is going to ring true today in in John 10. Um, and it's a sign not only for them, but for us. Uh, when our hearts are hardened to a place, or they're not in the right place, of where we hear the words of Jesus, and we cannot accept it as truth. And uh, quite honestly, some of us, uh, maybe your testimony would go there, uh, that you've had seasons in your life where your heart was just not in the right place. So when someone would share God's truth with you or you would hear God's truth, uh, you just did not have ears that could listen. We had an inability to hear the words of Jesus and his truth. So most of us in here today would say we want to hear from God. And one of the primary ways that can happen is for us to have our heart in the right place. Let's pray and then we're going to keep moving on with this message. Father, thank you um, for all the ways that you are at work, even in the midst of a community that seems anxious, a world that seems anxious. Uh, God, we believe that you are at work, not only behind the scenes, but you are front and center doing a powerful work. So God, I pray that you would begin over these today and these next coming weeks to cultivate the soil of our hearts so that we so that we can be prepared, we can be ready to listen to what you have to say to us. God, I pray that you would cultivate the soil of the hearts of people we work with and people that uh, we interact with and love on, that their openness to the gospel of Jesus uh, would be great. And that, God, we would model it, not just through words, but, but, but through action and by we, how we carry ourselves in this community and ultimately love this community. So, God, speak to us today. Help us to have ears that are ready to listen. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. So here he says in this phrase, uh, somewhat unusual, he says, I am the gate. Um, it's not a name. If we were to ask you to write down 10 names of Jesus, it probably wouldn't be on your top 10 list of Jesus being named the gate, right? It's not something we think about when we think about the name of Jesus. Uh, how many of you have a uh, maybe a gate somewhere on your property, uh, probably on your backyard? I know we do. Um, and I can probably uh, almost with 100% certainty say that you have never 
uh, placed a chair in front of your gate so that you could just sit down and stare at it and admire it, right? It's usually not the eye-popping feature on the property. Uh, if your gate's anything like our gate, uh, most of the time you have to twist the handle just right or you know, lean on it just right, just so that thing will, will even open up. Because gates, they're just not that impressive. Uh, so when Jesus says, I am the gate, it doesn't seem that impressive, right? He could have said anything. Of all the incredible things that Jesus could have said to this group, this religious audience that thought they uh, had understood uh, God, he says, I am, I am the gate. And in this passage today, we're going to see a, a metaphor of, of Jesus being the gate, and it's going to make perfect sense here in John, in John 10. And we will see the reason why this is so important right here in this passage that he's the gate. So open your Bibles if you haven't. If you're in your app, John 10, I'm just going to read verses 1 and 2 to start out. Uh, Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is a shepherd of the sheep. So in this passage, and really any scripture that you may read or, or study, I think you have to put it in in the right context so that you can understand it. In this passage, there's, there, there's, it's, it's no different. So two things we need to understand uh, in this text uh, is we need to know a little bit more about the, the agricultural uh, community that was, that was to be true back in the day. And I think it's also important uh, to understand the spiritual system or the religious system that the religious leaders uh, had created that Jesus was speaking into uh, during this time. So back in the day... Um, there were sheep. There were sheep everywhere. So it would have been normal for Jesus to use a illustration uh, dealing with sheep. Uh, nobody was asking as Jesus was sharing this. You know what are what are sheep? You know. Um, but how many of us, uh, or maybe yourself, you, you've either driving around or even in the last six months have seen any sheep? Right. I mean, most of us. The answer would be no, because uh, we don't see a whole lot of sheep around anymore. Uh, unless you live in a, in a farm or maybe you raise them yourself. But back during this time, everybody would have raised their hand. They would have all understood this illustration of Jesus speaking about, speaking about a sheep. So it was very common during this time for the shepherds uh, that they would watch their sheep all day long. Uh, pretty boring, monotonous job. They would let them graze, uh, keep them from harm, steer them in the right direction. Um, but then they would leave their sheep at the end of the day, uh, in a holding pen, or what they would call a, a sheepfold. And if you have your app open, you can see a picture of what a, what a holding pen back in Bible times or a sheepfold uh, may have looked like. It would have been this huge rock-like figure, circular, sometimes square, um, sometimes rectangle. Uh, and maybe the top would have some twigs or some sharp type things so people could not climb over the sheepfold. Uh, and the shepherds may share this sheep pen. There could be numerous families living in the same area, and they would share this sheep pen with other families nearby. Uh, so through the night, the sheep would stay uh, in this particular pen, and then in the morning, they would be released to graze. So Jesus' listeners, uh, they would have understood this. He would have been connecting with them with his comments about the sheep. But I think it's also important, we'll come back to that in a minute, to understand the spiritual system that he was speaking to, uh, to the religious system that uh, really was wrecking havoc uh, in the communities. Uh, it was an Old Testament system that the religious leaders had 
uh, we could say hijacked or even perverted uh, or twisted. Um, and the Pharisees and religious leaders did this during that day. And it was a system more about works uh, than it was about following God or even knowing God. So we know in Scripture that sin had entered, entered the picture in, in, in Genesis 3. Uh, so our sin nature was already alive. And then you fast forward to Exodus 20. Uh, God was doing a mighty work all the way up until that time. And, and this new nation was about to take off. So God is giving the people uh, these Ten Commandments. And he gave them the Ten Commandments to, to begin to steer them in the right direction, to give them some parameters uh, as they carry on as a nation. But God also made clear that they could not follow these Ten Commandments just on their own power alone. That they needed God's mercy. That they needed God's help. And this was a key point to the Ten Commandments. The first four commandments were about, were about their relationship with God. And, and the remainder were about their relationship with one another as they, as they carried on as this new nation. So the Pharisees, the religious leaders... Uh, imagine, as we can, only can imagine, we see it today uh, with leaders, they're power hungry, and they began to really twist this system. And they thought uh, for this, the Ten Commandments was really an opportunity for us to follow them to a T just so we could receive the approval of God, which was not true. Uh, so they developed this religious system based on the, the Ten Commandments and and the list got long and it got wild and crazy. And the Ten Commandments... Uh, in the, in the original Hebrew uh, text, uh, had 613 letters in it. Uh, so when they came in, the, uh, there were 613 laws based on the Ten Commandments that were created, one from every letter. And some of you may know this, but there were 248 affirmative commands, which means, hey, do these things. And there were 365 negative commands, which is don't do these things. So they had these lists of you should do these things. And, and here's a list over here. You should not do these things. Imagine 613 of them. How in the world would you even understand or, or, or memorize them all? And then they divided the list between binding and non-binding commands. And then they memorized the commands. And then every day they would wake up and discuss and argue back and forth these commands. So you can only imagine how these became so complex, uh, really convoluted, and it was a source of, of much division uh, in the religious community with the religious leaders. And it became to a place where it was just absolutely exhausting. I don't know about you, but how many of you would say, I want to sign up for a community group like that, where it's just gathering around and bickering back and forth about the law and about these 613 uh commands that we have to follow. So the religious leaders, um, they wanted people to know more than anything else um, that they were at the top of the spiritual org chart. They were the so-called experts of the law. And what was supposed to be the Ten Commandments and the law, something that pointed people to God, ended up being something that pointed people to themselves. And it was more about, in that religious community, receiving approval from the religious leaders so that they could join the club rather than receiving approval from God's from God. Um, and Jesus comes along in John 10 and he says, whoa, 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 whoa. I, I am the gate. Uh, John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You guys are missing the boat when it comes to what it means to be in relationship with the Father. 
And I think the heart of this whole passage is the idea that the religious leaders have become so good at keeping people arm's length from God, alienated from God, even from the love of God. And Jesus comes along and just with his presence begins to collide with this religious system uh, of the day. From this works-based system to a grace-based life through his death, through his burial, and through his resurrection. So when we get to Easter Sunday and we celebrate what Jesus did for us, he truly gave us the most incredible, most incredible gift. And he says in John 10, and he reminds us today, he says, I am the gate. If you don't come through the gate and you try to go through some other systems or maybe even try to make it happen through another method, you are up to no good. And who was Jesus speaking to when he said these words? To the religious system of the day, to the people that were power hungry, to the people that were absolutely up to no good, and they were leading people off course. And Jesus shows up and he reminds them it's Jesus plus nothing. It's not Jesus plus all these other things. And that's where the religious leaders were going. And they were leading people astray. Let me give you two scenarios to set up uh, some of this passage. Imagine uh, tonight, hopefully you're not listening to this at night, or this could be scary, but you were in bed and um, all of a sudden you hear a knock at the door um, which at midnight, which most of us, we don't like to hear knocks at the door, but uh, one of the things you'd probably do is sneak up to the front of your house and maybe either turn the light on or, or uh, uh, kind of peek out a window to see who it is. And if, if it's someone you knew, depending on who it was, uh, you, you maybe not think much of it. You may even let them in so that you can talk with them, right? Well, imagine the second scenario. You're up late at night uh, because you know you don't have to go to church tomorrow because everything that's going on and you're going to get one more show in and all of a sudden you hear, you hear a window crash, right, in the house. Uh, what would you do at that moment? Uh, all of a sudden, a window crashes and broken in the house. You would experience fear, probably like never before, because if a window is to break in your house, more so maybe than even somebody knocking at your door, uh, on a scale from 1 to 100, what percent do you think that person is coming in to harm you? It would probably be a 100%, right? They are up to no good uh, trying to get into our house and to cause harm to either me or my family. Well, back to the passage in John 10, 1 and 2. It says, Very truly I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. And Jesus is letting the religious leaders know right here in this passage that you may have think that you have come into the fold, you may think you've come in the right way, but you have absolutely come in the wrong way. I am the gate. We see Jesus in this passage say two different things. So which one is it? He says, I am the gate and I am the shepherd. Uh, which one is Jesus? And he answers both, right? Jesus is absolutely both. He says, if you do not enter by the gate, you are in it for the wrong reason. So let me ask you this question. Are there people in our culture today and around the world uh, that are trying every possible avenue to get into the good graces of God? The answer is yes. So many people, instead of going through the, the gate, are, are trying to create ways to God. And they absolutely, absolutely fall short. What are some of the ways that we see today? Uh, well, some try to enter through the gate through good works. 
Uh, they think, well, look at my life. Look at all the things that, that I have done. I've done so many good things for people. If God was to look at my life, he would say, well, you're in, right? Because you have done so many good things. Well, Titus 3, 3 through 5 says, At one time we were too foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating everyone, uh, hating one another. But when the kindness and love of our gods uh, and our Savior appeared, he saved us. Not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. And listen to this. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. This passage lets us know, if we're trying to get into the sheep pen, if we're trying to scale the wall by good works, if we're trying to get into the good graces of God by anything else but the gate by Jesus, we are absolutely missing it. And it does not work. And this passage reminds us it's only because of the shepherd Jesus and that we need to use the gate. Others say, well, I'm going to get into God's graces by, by obeying the law. There's some today, if you were to ask, hey, what religion are you? They'd say Christian. And if you said, are you going to heaven? They'd say, yeah. And then if you said, why? Uh, there would be many in our culture today that would say, well, because it's all they know, that I've I followed the Ten Commandments. You know, I haven't I haven't broken any of the Ten Commandments. I've done a lot of good things. Uh, when in the reality is, and we'll do some teaching on the Ten Commandments down the road. I could probably make a case that most all of us uh, have broken uh, a great majority of the Ten Commandments, because you read through the New Testament and the bar was raised when it comes to the Ten Commandments and it comes to what's going on in our heart and in our minds. Paul speaks to this in Galatians 2, 19 through 21. And if there was ever a guy qualified to speak into this following the law and being under the grace of Jesus Christ, he lived in both worlds. And Jesus changed his life and he knew it. So he says in Galatians 2, 19 through 21, For though the law I died to the law so that I might live for God, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, if righteousness could be gained through everything that I've tried to do, I knew the law frontwards and backwards, could recite it with my eyes closed. I had it memorized. If that's what got me into right standing with God, Christ, he says, died for nothing. So if we think we can enter the kingdom of heaven by scaling the sheep pen wall of just obeying the law and obeying Old Testament Ten Commandments, right, and following them to a T, Galatians 2 would have something different to say about that. Uh, and we see again, it is only through Jesus, and we need to enter the gate. People try to enter the gate through a watered-down gospel. They don't talk about sin. They don't talk about the blood of Christ or what Jesus did for us on the cross. People try to enter through prosperity gospel. We see it all the time that God's going to bless you and give you more and more and more. And the pressure is going to be and it's always going to continue to be. It's going to grow on this church, Centerville Community Church, and really the big C church around the world to cave to whatever new idea of the day is winning uh, to fit the gospel message. And I can assure you that we are not going to change in this area. 
as, as a Christian and Missionary Alliance Church, as Centerville Community Church, it is only through the gate. It is only through Jesus. So while methods will change, while the presentations and styles and structures and even the look will change at times, the timeless truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ is unchanging because we serve a God that is unchanging. It is our highest value to keep Jesus at the center. And we're everything that we're motivated to do and everything that we will be is because of Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life, and he is our gate. If you have your app still open, I want you to look at that sheep gate uh, picture again. And uh, you can Google a whole bunch of them. There's a lot of them on there. Just look up uh, Google Bible Times, uh, sheep pen, Bible Times, sheep fold, and you'll see a lot of different uh, shapes and sizes. Uh, but what is one thing you notice when you look at the sheep pen uh, that is missing uh, from the sheep pen? The gate, right? I mean, the very thing that Jesus is saying that he is is not anywhere to be found. And it's not because it fell down because it's old. Uh, there was not a gate on the sheep pen. Why is that? Because the shepherd is the gate. They build up these piles of rocks. They put the sheep in after they grazed all day long and, and were eating and filled their bellies. And then they put the sheep in at night. And the shepherd was the sheep's gate. Uh, it was the, sh the gate was not this door on a hinge that would swing back and forth. So when Jesus said, I am the gate, he didn't say I'm this moving door. He's saying, I am the one who gets to say who is coming in. I am the protector. And no one or nothing is going to get to you that does not go through me first. That's a great promise. John 10, verse 2 and 3 says, The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listens to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. So in the morning, when the everybody would wake up, the shepherd, he may have even fell asleep at the gate, I don't know, for a little bit. Uh, but they would wake up and, and they would begin to lead the sheep out uh, during the morning to graze and to be at pasture again. Uh, remember I said earlier that there could be multiple families, multiple herds of sheep, and multiple shepherds that are represented with the sheep that are inside the fold. And what he says in this passage is he calls the sheep by name and he leads them out. It said, uh, if you were to study some of the shepherds in the Far East back in the day, that they would give each one of their sheep a name. And every single sheep that was underneath their care knew their shepherd's voice. So one after another, shepherds would step up to the gate and they would call out their sheep and their sheep would, would walk out and the rest would stay. And then the next shepherd would step up. Could you imagine the incredible scene? Maybe you have a pet like that. Uh, our pets aren't so good, but uh, maybe you have a pet that just knows your voice, knows when you're home, knows when you're calling him. So true believers, what Jesus is saying here, as a sheep belonging to the true shepherd, uh, we will never walk out and, and not be under the care of our good shepherd. That when we pass through the gate, that we'll never wander out uh, throughout the day and be alone. Why? Because we're under the shepherd's care. We're under his protection. That the true uh, sheep to the true shepherd know Jesus' voice. And some of you may say, well, I don't know if I do. You know, I don't, <laughs> I don't know if I do understand or know Jesus' voice. But let me, let me just do one quick example this way, that when you hear people 
Maybe talking about something spiritual or maybe one of the social issues of the day or something significant. And there's something inside you that the Spirit of God is prompting to say, to say you know, I don't think that's right. And there's something stirring inside of you to think, I don't, I don't think that's right. Why is that? Why? Because you understand and you hear the, the shepherd's voice, right? You can tell when it's him speaking, when it's him prompting you. John 10 verse 4, it says, When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. Listen, but they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. As Christ followers today, especially just in the last week we've been living in, um, in our world today, we're being bombarded with messages. Uh, we're being pressured with forces all around us. And I believe if we are, when we are able, if we pray about it, that we are able to recognize the shepherd's voice. Psalm 46.10, that if we will be still and know that he is God and we will listen for the whisper of God, we will recognize his voice in the midst of it all. But we need to stay connected with him through his word. We need to stay connected to him through prayer. John 10.6 says, Jesus used this figure of speech with the Pharisees, right? That's who he's speaking to. But the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Well, why didn't they understand? Because they didn't know the shepherd's voice. They weren't a sheep, right? Verse 7 says, Therefore Jesus said again, Very truly I tell you, uh, perk your ears up, religious leaders. I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have listened, have not listened to them. Jesus in this passage, he's calling them out and they don't even know it. These guys have had power for so long. They were power hungry. And Jesus in this passage in John 10, he is, he is setting the record straight. Because for the religious leaders, for the longest time, they were, they were selling this idea of following rules, of following the law to a T, these regulations, even all these add-ons that they had created for the specific community that they lived in. And then they would in turn be the judge and the jury on how people were doing following these. And then Jesus shows up. And he says these two words instead. It's not follow these 613 anymore. It's not follow all these religious laws and regulations and rules that the religious leaders have created. But he says two words instead. And he says, follow me. I am. Follow the great I am. He is God with skin on. And I know many of you listening today that your testimony, you could shout from the mountaintops that once you choose to follow him, that your life will never be never be the same. I want to close today with verses 9 and 10. And uh, Jesus closes with really a promise and the gift that the gate is to us, the good shepherd is to us in John 10, 9 and 10. It's in your app. He says, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. Jesus says, I am the only way. I know these religious leaders, these Pharisees have created a lot of different things and they believe they're the judge and the jury, but let me remind you, follow me. I am the way to salvation. I am the way to eternal life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. 
And Jesus is making a point to these religious leaders. You know what? You guys never really cared about the spiritual welfare of these people in the first place. He says you're more committed to your spiritual systems than you are committed to the, to, to the word of God. So he says the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Uh, I have come. And listen to this promise. I have come that they may have life, that you may have life, and have it to the full. You know what this shows me is it's God's divine love, his absolute divine love for us. I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. Jesus has a better plan for our lives than this world could ever offer. My question this morning as we wrap up is are you trusting are you trusting in the gate, the good shepherd? Are you trusting in Christ? I want to close today with a with a quote that um, our Alliance community just posted on social media today from from the founder of the Alliance, A. B. Simpson, and he says this: He says, "Jesus shall be our glory. Jesus, our heaven, shall be. Jesus shall be our story. Jesus, who died for me. We serve a God that has come to give us life, and He's come to give us life." To the full. Are you trusting? Are you trusting in the gate? Let me close with prayer, and then I encourage you as a family or as a couple, or if you're home uh, by yourself even today, that you take a few minutes and and thank Him for being the gate, for being the good shepherd. Uh, pray for our community. Pray for our leaders. Pray for our church. Uh, pray that even in the midst of what we consider maybe a setback or a pause to our everyday life. It's certainly not a setback or a pause to our Savior. I believe he's going to be at work in a powerful way in these coming days and in these coming weeks. Let's pray. Father, thank you for John 10. Thank you for being the gate. Thank you for being our protector, our shield. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for giving us the the words where you say to follow, to follow me. Thank you for being the great I am. And God, in moments like these, when we hit trials, when we hit uncertainty, maybe even anxiousness, uh, we as Christ followers, we as the church, we want to lean into you. Um, we want to we want to be in alignment with you. We want to walk in your wisdom. So God, may we be a church, as even we talked about last week, that would shine our light in dark places. That would shine our light with a good word to somebody that needs it. That would shine our light by, by blessing somebody that needs a blessing this next week. That would shine our light, uh, God, in some of the darkest places in our community and around our world. God, I pray that you'd protect our congregation and the people in this community from the coronavirus. God, that you'd protect uh, the elderly, that you'd protect young children, that you'd protect families. And God, we believe that you are the great protector, the great shield. We believe uh, that you are the great healer as well. So God, we trust in you, and we ask that you would be ever close, and we pray that you would bless the families of, that represent this church and this community that we call Centerville and surrounding areas in a powerful way. God, we love you today, and it's in your name we pray. Amen.